This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. Our listeners can check out any course or lecture from their entire library for free today if they visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. My name is Matt Kirshen. Uh... <laughs> Hey, we've had our first serious fuck-up with this website platform that we're using. Let's not blame the platform. It's a user error. Yeah, we we just recorded 25 minutes of podcast that we didn't record. Oh, God. That's on me. That's on me, guys. The listeners don't have to know that, but um, yeah. No, but they should. Sure. Uh, let's yep. be honest. Let's yep. introduce our guests. <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> hey, we can everyone. fix all of our jokes now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a we. You missed some fun riffing with the brilliant Adam Caton Holland. Hello, everyone. I'll tell you, I just did twenty minutes of gold, and I got nothing left in the tank. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I really left it all out on the field on that one. I don't really know how we're gonna recover, but uh, hey, well, it's your it's your guys's podcast. Yes, that's true. You have a new podcast yourself. I do. I have a podcast with my buddies Ben Roy and Andrew Orbital, aka the Grolix. And so our podcast we, is called The Grolic Saves the World. You are now the second Grolix. Grolic? What was the singular? Uh, Grolic, gr like cowlick, like a growlick. I found out, I've known you guys for years, and I only found out after doing your show in Denver, which, by the way, great fun, the, what the word Grolix means. Ah, you should tell your listeners, or, or if, perhaps I, I I still remember. It's the... When comics use a combination of punctuation marks and symbols to represent swearing. Exactly. Exactly. Well, wasn't it coined by the uh, uh, Beetle Bailey guy? That's exactly right as well. You guys are nailing it. <laughs> yeah, I know that. So, The Grolic Saves the World is your... Well, The Grolic Saves the World is your new podcast. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, we did a show called Those Who Can't together and... The three of us have been working for years together, and we just kind of have a good rapport. So on the episode, on the podcast, we try to better the world around us by bettering ourselves through passive-aggressive self-help challenges. Well, Those Who Can't is also a great, yeah, it's a great sitcom and features a bunch of friends at the show. They crop up all over the place. Yeah, it was really fun to be able to just cast comedians in a lot of roles because uh, we were not actors, you know, and we yeah. the funniest people... In our minds are comics always, so we were always trying to get comics wherever we could into that show. Plus some weird guest stars, like Henry Rollins shows up. Yeah, we had Henry <laughs> Rollins was in there. We had uh, Mark Hoppus of Blink-182 was in there. Uh, Michael Michael Madsen of Reservoir Dogs. We had strange, strange guests in there. Oh, yeah, and then the wrestling episode. Oh, yeah, with Kurt Angle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was very bizarre. It's like... You're sitting there in the writer's room and you just go, well, what about that person? And, and they're like, in, in your head, you're, you think, no way. And then they're always like, yeah, they'd be down. And that's just, I mean, you guys live in LA, so maybe you're more used to that. But in our mind, we, we were just kind of throwing it out as a lark. And then suddenly they'd be on set and it would blow us away every time. Well, that's yeah, I remember incredible. talking to Ben about the Henry Rollins on set day where Apparently, according to Ben's account of it anyway, you and Henry were getting on like a house on fire and <laughs> Ben was just freaking out and couldn't really talk. Well, it's because I was not cool enough as a young person to be aware of how cool Henry Rollins is. I right. learned later in my 20s, late 20s, how cool Henry Rollins was and how formative and all that. So it wasn't like this childhood worship that Ben had for him. Right. So ben, ben couldn't talk. Ben was so nervous, and I was just shooting the shit with a very cool man, and <laughs> he was Hank. the best. Yeah, yeah, because he even played like his character in the show is sort of the idealized version of Ben's character. Like, exactly, like... it was like the good version of of what Ben's character was. Um, <laughs> what was really funny is we told, you know, we sent him the sides for his scene, and um, he said, "Okay, cool," and he came into set. And he was like, so I feel like this character is a very stentorian character. Stentorian. And we were all like, we were like, yes, indeed. Stentorian is what he is. <laughs> Just, but none of us knew what the fuck stentorian meant. <laughs> and then we looked it up and we're like, oh, yeah, it's 100% what this character has been the entire time we've been writing it. We just didn't know this word. What, what does the word stentorian mean? It's, it's, uh, it means 
like thunderous trumpeting okay booming just kind of a loud pay attention to me type of character it's a great word yes stentorian yeah yeah that's what henry rollins does he just comes to set and writes your characters better than you wrote them (laughs) (laughs) and you also have a new album as well semblance of normalcy just dropped yeah yeah just put out an album and uh it's nice to have something come out during the pandemic that i'm excited about and can be like hey here's a good thing that'll take your mind off of shit for an hour just like this podcast so it's nice to be able to throw that out there um well we like to ask our guests before we get into the story and then a second time 20 minutes later when we realize <laughs> oh, we're yes. recording uh, <laughs> adam what was your background in science okay well i'll get i'll bullet points it but it was it's very limited um but in high school i was a straight a student graduated number three in the class not a big deal let's plow through it um <laughs> But as a result, I had to take a lot of AP courses. I took AP Physics, took AP Chemistry, AP Bio. But I remember in AP Chemistry, I sat next to my friend Monty, who later became a chemist. And he was excellent at chemistry. Go figure. And I just cheated off of him. I I could do the work if I tried, but I also just was gaming the system. And and Monty loved doing it. and, And he was my best friend, so why not? And then our teacher, who was a nice, cool, young guy, totally realized I was cheating off Monty and he moved me to another table for a week just to see and my grades plummeted and he confirmed yes Adam is cheating off of Monty and then he just moved me back he let me go back and sit next to Monty (laughs) Uh, yeah which is just a really I'm glad he knew and I knew and we all knew and that was that (laughs) but as a result I mean I got to I'm very liberal arts I went to a liberal arts college and I ran as far away from math and science as I could, as soon as I could. Understandable. Um, so I think we should start with a different story to the yeah. one we started off with. Maybe we can circle back to our Yeah, because I do want to do this story because yeah. it was a fun story and, and it still is a fun story. But I think we should jump to a different story. Yeah. There's like some it. space stories. There's a bunch of fun space stories that people sent in this week. And I say, why the heck not start off with one of those? Sure. I dig it. Which one do you like? Uh, well, there's the, the, there's, um, well, this is more of an Earth science story. The vast growing anomaly in Earth's magnetic field that Colton Bond emailed us. Okay. And I, I kind of like that. I don't, I like an anomaly. I Sounds already anomalous. am confused and just opened a copy of On the Road. <laughs> <laughs> So you can just snap your fingers as we read these lines. From this <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in the show notes as well, so you can see the article there. NASA is tracking a vast growing anomaly in Earth's magnetic field. A, a giant region of lower magnetic intensity in the skies above the planet, stretching out between South America and Southwest Africa. This vast developing phenomenon, called the South Atlantic Anomaly, has intrigued and concerned scientists for years. I, I like something that intrigues and concerns scientists. This does seem like the first act of a uh, Armageddon-style or the, the core-style disaster movie. Yeah. Totally, totally. But I don't even understand what that means, lower magnetic intensity. Is it's five, like- 5G, man. 5G. I don't know. Like your cell phone? <laughs> yeah. That's what all kinds of people are like blaming on various, like some conspiracy theorists are blaming COVID on 5G. It doesn't matter. Forget it. <laughs> Holy shit. That's Truly bananas. Okay, yeah. got it. The uh, oh, you managed to escape that one. You managed to avoid that conspiracy. Yeah, I have not heard that one. Might be it's, a West Coast. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like well, Colorado in general is. I I've spent a lot of time there. What with marrying a Coloradan, right. and it's uh, it is a it, it's a politically baffling place. Well, how so? Well, because it, I mean, it's very much like the Colorado is sort of America shrunk into one state in many ways, sort of politically. Mm. It's, it's sort of got a bit of everything. You're, you know, it's quite, Denver skews quite liberal, but at the same time, you it's like outdoorsy liberal, so quite likely to own a gun. Uh, there's, um, you know, there's people who will think nothing of just going off into the woods for a month. And having ideas. 
but then also <laughs> having it's qu- ideas. <laughs> but then also it's quite metropolitan. It, you know, it's sort of just everything just piled into one state. For sure, and the front range is more liberal where all the cities are, like any state. But yeah, you definitely get up into the mountains, and it can get very libertarian real quick. But that can skew one of two ways. It can be, you know, Alex Jones libertarian, or it can just be sort of like oddly tolerant of different lifestyle Bernie bro libertarian. Right, Mm. and quite Uh, often it just manifests it in just, oh, there's a lot of people riding motorbikes without helmets. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, I see that so much more when I'm back in Colorado than in California. I've watched the state grow bluer as I've grown up. When I was a kid, it was red firmly, and then it was purple. And then the last two elections, it's been blue. So mm. I like to think we're trending trending towards the right way. Right. and then, But then also just you sort of forget, I think when you grow up in a different country and you have an idea of what America is as well, you sort of think everything is like, this is where these people live in the country. This is where these. And it's just not. It's It's so much more city versus rural rural. and so holly and i were watching something about the hell houses you know the uh alternative to halloween houses that are put on by christian fundamentalists in fact uh, yeah friend of the show maggie Rowe did a whole hollywood hell house we talked about it on her episode of the show a couple of years ago but that started just outside denver i would believe that in a heartbeat i bet it was colorado springs I think I'm trying to remember which which church it was in. I don't think it actually was it Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs is arguably the most batshit city in America. Like it's <laughs> it is where focus on the family is, which is like the birth of of evangel- evangelicism. Mega churches is focus on the family and the, just the worst of the worst. And it's also very military. Several right. military bases and the Air Force Academy. And then, you know, it's growing fast. So suddenly there's this kind of liberal blue wave of people looking to for affordable homes in Colorado. It's a very confused, sketchy place. Um, so, no, it was actually Arvada, which is where Holly is from. Which is Arvada a was the first hell house? Jeez. Yeah, well, according to Wikipedia, I'm slightly wrong about the timeline now. The, the very, very first one was in Texas, which is far more what you might believe. Thanks. And then that's good to know. Popularized by Jerry Fulwell in the seventies, um, but then in the modern Hell House and the sort of template that all subsequent Hell Houses use, and so it gets copied and uh, developed around the country, was promoted and adapted by Keenan Roberts, originally of Roswell, New Mexico, who started a Hell House in Arvada. Colorado. Yeah, that's that's big bat business out here is uh, is Hell House manufacturing for shipping <laughs> right. out. A lot of people. My dad worked in the Hell Houses, and, and his dad before him. And yeah, you know, there's you can get a lot of diseases. There's ghost lung. A lot of guys die from ghost lung. But yeah, Hell House is big, big business out here. <laughs> and the Democrats want to close all the Hell Houses. I know. Yeah. I know. I said, fuck it, put a wind turbine on top of the hell house. Just let us keep scaring them. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, yeah, so this hellishly reduced magnetic field, this magnetic dent. Oh, that's right, magnets, yes. Yeah, remember that? The space agency's satellites, this is NASA, and spacecraft are particularly vulnerable to the weakened magnetic field strength within the anomaly and the resulting exposure to charged particles from the sun. The South Atlantic Anomaly, SAA, likened by NASA to a dent in the Earth's magnetic field or a kind of pothole in space, generally doesn't affect life on Earth, but the same can't be said for orbital spacecraft, including the International Space Station, which pass directly through the anomaly as they loop around the planet at low Earth orbit altitudes. During these... but how does it affect them as they pass through said anomaly? Does it suck them down closer to the Earth? Does no, it, you know? it, it's more, it says here, during these encounters, the reduced magnetic field strength inside the anomaly means technological systems on board satellites can short circuit and malfunction if they become struck by high energy protons emanating from the sun. Mm. So the magnetic field of the Earth is protecting all of us from solar particles. Right, right. And. These random hit, hits may, may usually only produce low-level glitches, but they do carry the risk of causing significant data loss 
or even permanent damage to key components, threats obliging satellite operators to routinely shut down spacecraft systems before the spacecraft enter the anomaly zone. Interesting. Oh, wow. Wow. I wouldn't yeah. have thought it would be that big of a difference. That's that's really surprising. I didn't know either. So and it's also it's also pretty if you're you know conspiracy theorist. That's yeah. pretty sketchy. It's like okay, so they're shutting down all the information for this period of time. Yeah. What's that? What's actually happening? They're right. going dark up there. <laughs> what are the astronauts up to when they're shutting down during the anomaly? Right. Exactly. I love just the phrase. The phrase anomaly in itself is very sci-fi. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the it's anomalous. Yeah, the uh, mitigating these hazards in space is one reason NASA is tracking the SAA. Another is that the mystery of the anomaly, the mystery of the anomaly, <laughs> represents the a great op- yeah represents a great opportunity to investigate a complex and difficult to understand phenomenon. And NASA's broad resources and research groups are uniquely well appointed to study the occurrence. So, Terry Sabatka from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center says the magnetic field is actually a superposition of fields from many current sources. The primary source is considered to be a swirling ocean of molten iron inside Earth's outer core, thousands of kilometers below the ground. The movement of that mass generates electrical currents that create Earth's magnetic field, but not necessarily uniformly. A huge reservoir of dense rock called the African Large Low Shear Velocity Province located about 2,900 kilometers below the African continent, disturbs the field generation, resulting in the dramatic weakening effect, which is aided by the tilt of the planet's magnetic axis. Wait, the thing underneath Africa is causing the change in the magnetic field over South America? I guess. Yeah. We're all in it together, dudes. Yeah, right? It's sort of like, I guess you've got this sort of swirling mass of molten rock under the Earth, and then... Africa has just like stuck a big hand down inside it to disrupt us, and it's causing this weird flow. African large low shear velocity province. Interesting. This is complex stuff. Dude. Yeah, it is. African large low shear does sound like the ingredient of an organic skincare product. Yeah. <laughs> or like, <laughs> like it just sounds like ingredient. Yeah, set up by a sort of forty-year-old white woman. Just like this uses like the power of the African low shear shelf. And it tastes exactly like pork. You can't even tell the difference. (laughs) Somehow it involves acai. (laughs) Uh, Years before I learned how that was pronounced. Is that how you see? I'm not even sure. I think you've got it. Okay. I think you have it. I have a theory that acai is why Brazilians are so beautiful. Because I went to Brazil (laughs) and every corner, it like in a children's book or something is just acai stands and that's just what people eat every day what yeah man acai <laughs> the superfood from the amazon jungle is they eat it so much in brazil and they're by far the best looking people on the planet that's true acai dude you want a sweet brazilian booty acai <laughs> berry booty mm-hmm. berry booty exactly i'm amazon it's the priming hottest thing i'm amazon priming some right now by that i mean from the amazon jungle Oh, wow. That's very, very yeah. reckless. Well, while we're talking about weird anomalous things in space, listener Tyler Elaine sent in... Oh, sorry, Tyler Elaine. My apologies. Sent in, astronomers confirm a huge X-shaped bulge at the center of the Milky Way. I knew it! Yep. Yeah. This story from Digital Trends. It's the... Wow. This Digital Trends is very advert-heavy. I was about to read the what looked like the first line of this story. It was actually, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear Samsung? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably the egg-shaped bulge at the center of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess Samsung used to make noodles? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, and yeah. other things. Samsung has made a lot of things, including the Burj Khalifa. This is like an editorial video that is... Is Samsung like the uh, the Yamaha of Korea? It's like, oh, they make the best um, pianos, violins, and jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> it is a baffling company, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So there's it... a massive... Go ahead. No, I, I, was still, I was still looking at this Samsung story. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm it's still, working. What immediately wow. comes to mind when you think about Samsung? That was the sentence. It was the video. Mm. What, what is well, it? Is it TVs or washing well, machines? Well, most of us in the US imagine the latest innovative technology. Way of course. back in 1938, Samsung was originally a trading company. Mm, wow. Focused on seafood, local groceries, and its own noodles. What if they said people? <laughs> trading, <laughs> trading people around the planet at a competitive price. Simple business proposal. People <laughs> selling people to people. People selling people to people. We are Samsung. <laughs> um, there is a massive bulge at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, and it's not just happy to see us. Fuck off, digital trends. Oh, oh digital God. trends. That oh, is too digital trends. cheeky for this early in the yeah. morning, digital oh, trends. No, digital trends. Not okay. The X-shaped structure has been theorized for years, but it has finally been observed by two astronomers thanks to their keen eyes, tenacity, and active social media presence. What? Come hmm. on. What, digitaltrends.com? What? Active social media presence has never helped scientists anywhere, anyway. <laughs> no. And I will not accept digital trends theorizing that that was helpful. I don't even need to read further. <laughs> well, Let's talk more about Samsung and their robust global economy <laughs> of slavery and indentured servitude. <laughs> well, working on a project called the Legacy Surveys, Dustin Lang, an astronomer and research associate at the University of Toronto, created an interactive online map that stitched together visible light images of deep space to reveal the network of galaxies well beyond the Milky Way. Lang added data captured by NASA's Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer, or WISE, space telescope, to give his map an extra dimension. Good and then he did action. a dance on TikTok to sort of recover, <laughs> yeah. and it gave him the new energy to continue <laughs> with his science. Um, did I tell you I was out for a walk a few days ago, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but there's that bit on Sunset Boulevard that by Sunset Junction that just overlooks... It's kind of a bridge. It overlooks a lower bit of road just by El Cid, where it's kind of on two levels. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And a guy was just standing on the bridge looking out over the other road and just... He's sort of, like, dancing and then checking his bag and then going back and then dancing a bit more and then checking his bag. And I was like, this area, you know, there's some local characters. There's always some local flavor, some people with curious public habits and then i got closer and realized oh he was just doing a tiktok dance oh my oh god. god and his Jesus. bag actually had his phone propped up right, on it right but the effect from a distance off was just this guy sort of like standing in the middle of the street he's sort of taking a step back doing a crazy dance for a bit then checking his possessions again then doing another crazy dance right, and then right. <laughs> did it look like he was going to jump my first thought was like oh no this guy's gonna yeah. like jump down onto the highway no, because the, the the railing's pretty high, so he would have okay, had to have done okay. quite a bit to do that. It was more... I was worried he was going to back into the traffic more than jump over the road. Uh, well, maybe... To be fair, maybe he was a scientist. We never know. You know yeah. He could have just been working on his experiment. <laughs> he could have been collating information from the NASA's Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer. This according to Digital Trends. Yeah, so Lang told Digital Trends. I'm always suspicious when... When it says Lang told Digital Trends, did he? Or did he just put out a press release that they are now absorbing <laughs> well, they, they into their article? They received that press release, so yeah. I guess he did, yeah. You're like, you know when... Have you ever seen the raw footage from when a movie star is publicizing their film and they basically give all the, all the countries and smaller networks that they don't have the time or the energy to go to and give their own interviews they basically just give them raw footage of one side of an interview that oh okay yeah they can put their own person in the opposite yeah yeah that then like the sort of belarusian movie critic for their <laughs> will just <laughs> will just sit there on a chair and just do the other side of the interview and they intercut it and it just looks like wow they got a they got brad pitt that's a scoop for their <laughs> network yeah big scoop for azerbaijan daily <laughs> yeah, exactly so the but then every so often just the raw footage of that gets out and then you just sort of see this oh gross yeah you, you just sort of yeah that's the gig i want i want to be the off-screen interviewer <laughs> who compile who gets that footage for everybody else but i'm like the best guy in the biz you need me 
for that for that job. I want that. <laughs> the wise. If, well, did you have to do? You must have had to have done when those who can't came out. You must have had to have done a few junkets and a few. Did you do yeah. the upfronts? Yep. Yeah, we did. Every year we did a couple of those things, which were so bizarre. And we did sort of what you're talking about. Obviously not on that scale, but a thing where you'd have, you'd go into this hotel room and then another hotel room, then another hotel room. And it was just crews set up, ready to go. And they ran it like a, like a well-oiled machine. They're like, you've got 10 minutes with Maria Thayer and Ben Roy. And then they would just fire off questions, then on to the next one. And it was so surreal and exhausting. And right. Awful. Kind of like speed dating. Very much so. And, and the same weird questions about television. It was just like, this is such an expenditure. None of us need to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> when I got kicked off Last Comic Standing, I did the, the NBC PR people had me do a radio tour where uh, I had to get up at something like six in the morning because I was on West Coast time. And, at, uh, and I dialed into a conference call phone number. And there was someone there, I, I guess probably I, what, the publicist assistant or something. And then one by one, over the course of two and a half hours, I was connected to something like 15 different radio stations around the country. Yikes. And it was just, and again, it was just the same. I hadn't ever really done radio before. So the first two or three were quite ropey. And then by the fifth or sixth, I'd got the hang of it. And I'm like, oh, I, I know how to do this. And by the... 12th or 13th i was just done with it because who wouldn't it be? was yeah. ropey i've never heard it ropey i was just is a great adjective. is that I, I, is that sort of anglicism i think so yeah definitely what does it even mean like fun you said the first two were ropey so oh no like, like like dodgy like iffy oh okay, okay i'm trying to it. figure out how that would mean that like in what way things that are rope like are is it like just flaccid uh, sort of like you know? i would imagine that it is a nautical term yeah like then, so many so many idioms just come from sailors if it were wouldn't they say like three sheets to sheets are ropes so three sheets to the wind is like the three ropes are just like flying yeah. loose so you wouldn't say rope on a boat right you say sheet uh, i think i don't know you know you yeah. know what's not ropey andy <laughs> The uh, large, uh, the wise, the wide field infrared survey explorer. I oh, are we done with that story? The, no, I, we, we're not. I was going to say the quality of lectures and courses on the Great Courses Plus, our oh, fabulous sponsor. That is true. That is not at all ropey. <laughs> it's the opposite of, it's turgid. It's the yeah. opposite of ropey. <laughs> so as you probably know, if you're a regular listener to the show, we are frequently sponsored by the Great Courses Plus. We love them. They are an online resource of thousands, just thousands and thousands of lectures taught by top professors in their field chosen for both their abilities in their subject and their abilities at communication these are college level courses on just about everything what have you been checking out andy well i have uh i, I don't mean to um tease something that i can't totally pay off but i have a reason why i suddenly need to do some boning up on places that i have sort of uh academic blind spots and for me those are mostly in the history literature that kind of like the, the opposite of what this podcast is basically um so i have been watching uh experiencing america a smithsonian tour through american history which is really cool because it's taught by um the smithsonian's uh, undersecretary for history art and culture and he uses the actual artifacts from american history to tell these stories like you get to see an actual working cotton gin you get to see lincoln's stovepipe hat the hope diamond but yeah, it's a really cool thing. It's taught by an actual professor, Richard Curran, who has a PhD in anthropology from University of Chicago and teaches at uh, George Washington University and Johns Hopkins. And that's that's what you'll find across all of these courses is top-notch lecturers, um, you know, actual the, professors does, teaching at a college level. Does the Lincoln hat have a gun hole in it, a bullet hole? Because oh. that, that's what I assume it has. That's like just that one's worth. That one's sitcoms. worth more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what have you been well, watching? I've been. I wasn't sure. Well, I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure which one to pick from, and there's a course that can help me with that. There is how you decide the science of human decision making. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. This is taught by Dr. Ryan Hamilton, who is associate professor of marketing at Emory University. 
uh, Emory University's Goizeta Business School. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I butchered that name. But yeah, it's it's all about the science of what goes into making decisions, how you can make better decisions, the roles of heuristics, and how habits make decisions easier. These are all different lectures. How much reason is a factor, and how much social influence is a factor, for example, in making decisions. I so could, yeah, I I'm, I'm trying to get better too. at being more decisive. Oh, I'm the so, worst. The more yeah. minor the decision, the yeah. longer I take to make it. Oh, there you go. You should watch this and at the very least know why you're screwing up yeah. if not being able to fix it. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm slowly working my way through. And like you quite possibly know if you've heard us plug this before, you can both listen to and watch the lectures. So you can listen to it as a podcast in your car, then you can get home and watch it. And for the one set fee, you can have access to any of the lectures but initially that fee is zero if you go through us if you go to the greatcoursesplus.com slash probably you get a free trial so you can check it out any of the thousands of lectures across pretty much every academic discipline yeah as we said before if you can think of it as a possible realm of study there's probably a lecture related to it on here so that is the greatcoursesplus.com slash probably so Dustin Dustin Lang was working on this on this project called the Legacy Surveys. Remember that? Remember way back when we were talking well, about that? Yeah, we got off onto a whole sure, sure, sure. Legacy Surveys, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, oh, this, by the way, there is still an auto playing video that is still going on about Samsung, and now there's a robot that is doing laundry. I don't know what's going on. I'm well, I do know this, this article wants me to tell them what I think about uh, the price of Samsung's new Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Should I say I think it's priced very well, or I think it's priced somewhat well? Oh, I think... <laughs> I think it's priced somewhat well. I would say not priced as fairly as the humans you used to be able to buy from Samsung <laughs> at the turn of the century. Why don't you get back to what got you famous, Samsung? Stay in your lane. <laughs> I want this to get out. I want Samsung to put a cease and desist on your podcast because you're insisting that they human traffic their way to all success. Well, the first, the first dude they traded was named Sam, and he was a really good singer, and that's how they like marketed him. Was <laughs> oh, no. yeah, it's very folksy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we. Oh, maybe it's going to work the other way. Maybe we will end up with a Samsung sponsorship, and we'll yeah, all have go. brand there new phones. Go. Because they want to, they want to silence us, or they they want to show that they they want to show they're good sports. Well, if they are, send me a pair of those Galaxy Buds. I've got to have these. <laughs> Speaking of Galaxy Buds, how about this uh, Milky Way? Uh... <laughs> good, good link there, Andy. Thank, Thank you. you. So Dustin Lang created this interactive online map that's just to get the visible light images of deep space to reveal the network of galaxies well beyond the Milky Way, and then Lang added data captured by the WISE Space Telescope to give its maps a, an extra dimension. The WISE images, said Lang, are really useful for understanding some of the galaxies and quasars we are interested in. So I added the WISE images to that interactive viewer. I tweeted out that image because I was happy with how nicely it came out. Within the scientific Twitter community, it's not uncommon for disgruntled scientists to tweet out their frustrations while ecstatic ones share their successes, said Lang. It's a nice way to have a finger on the pulse of what my colleagues and friends are working on, and sometimes col collaborations like this one pop up. I mostly work on studying the web of galaxies far outside the Milky Way, so using the WISE maps for understanding our own galaxy wasn't on my radar at all, he added. Enter postdoctoral researcher Melissa Ness of the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy in Heidelberg, Germany. While scrolling through Twitter, Ness noticed something familiar. In the middle of Lang's image was a conspicuous X-shaped structure, one that computer models had suggested would exist in the Milky Way, but had never been seen. Ness contacted Lang, and the two soon met up at a conference. They published a paper on their discovery in the astronomical journal last month. The moral of this story is closer to home than the galactic bulge, thinks Lang. Melissa and I are both advocates for public release of scientific data and open science more generally. Most of our projects are conducted out in the open, often with code and manuscripts in public GitHub repositories, and we often sure. tweet about what we're working on. This open approach of communication enabled the astronomers to collaborate, link up, and share knowledge. Lang's high-quality WISE image borrowed data from a high-resolution WISE public release. Ness noticed the X-shaped bulge in Lang's Twitter image. 
Without these scientists' willingness to share and engage with others in their community, we may still wonder whether or not the Milky Way was just happy we're here. They, they, oh, twice? What? They put it in there twice. The same joke. What? Uh, yeah, just... that's strange. <sighs> and and this open approach to sharing science, I can't get behind it. It should be it should be secretive for financial <laughs> gain. Yeah. You should be doing all of your science in secrecy and then present your right. findings at the end. Just like Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yes, you should make your vaccines only work in Russia slash not work at all. Does, it, does anyone believe there's anything at all valid to the Russian vaccine? No. That's complete smoke and mirrors? Absolutely. I think they just, yeah, I think that's a PR move up on their part. I mean, they're calling it Sputnik too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but what if it works and they just didn't follow the same rigor that we want as far as testing? Huh. Well, then I guess you get people <laughs> who are really sick just saying fuck it and like get it going to Russia and taking it. Right, just buying it on the dark web or something. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm confused about why why this makes this article uh, infers any sort of change to the Milky Way's attitude about us. We may still wonder whether or not the Milky Way is just happy that we're here. The like, bulge, how that? the it's bulge is a boner. The galaxy has a boner. Yes. Holy it's, shit! I missed the dick joke in this article. I'm off my game, dude. No, no, no. They're yeah. off their game. It's ridiculous. The joke has That's, to be okay. the galaxy has an erection. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, was ridiculous intentional there, Andy? Oh God. <laughs> well, let's just say yes. Sure. Why not? Um, by the way, speaking of astronomy, dicks, I, uh, dicks another word, like word for a penis, oh, which is what oh, a boner is oh, made of. Oh, a boner is made of a penis. A penis, yeah. penis made, penis-based boners are. are a a boner, boners are nearly always almost 100 percent penis. Uh, let's not be uh, normative with our boner. <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've had some real 30-70 situations in my <laughs> life. So, <laughs> you know, there's often a fair amount of boner is made up of denim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially out here in the West, dude. You get a, a, like a, a Wrangler boner out there on the ranch. That's mostly denim. Some serious gene meat. I forgot if that's a Brongerism or a Canaanism, but gene meat is a... Gene meat's fucking great. It might actually be a Dave Lyonsism or one of the Yacht Rock guys talking about uh, bands that are showing off some serious gene meat from the stage. <laughs> uh, in case you're wondering, by the way, according to Chambers Slang Dictionary, Jonathan Green suggests a derivation of ropey meaning not too well or hungover or dodgy or of, of poor quality those are all the different usages it may be a derivation from roop a form of qatar and originally a disease of poultry mm. from okay. the late 18th century it was used according to green to describe an object or person that was second rate inadequate rundown etc and came in the 1940s and 50s to be applied to people who were unpopular like a diseased chicken. Mm. Matt, can I ask you another uh, anglicism? Yeah. My wife and I are watching the Great British Breaking Show. We love it. Uh, they always refer to things as stodgy. It's a bit stodgy. Okay. What is that as a taste? Like what? What is what tastes it's, stodgy? It's not, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not a taste. It's a texture. Stodgy uh, means sort oh. of heavy or... I mean, like heavy is probably the best, but like almost sort of overly glutinous, like something that's stodgy is sort of hard to get through. So the opposite okay. of, I mean, heavy's the best. Like heavy, the Okay, so it's like a thick, like too much in your mouth. Yeah, okay. mealy. Mealy. Dense, yeah. dense right. and mealy. Got it. Thank you. Now I get the show. All right, <laughs> now you can enjoy it fully. <laughs> I'm happy. Well, to I got to go watch some more episodes. <laughs> this has been great. Bye, bye guys. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to miss this story out because we did cover it in the missing opening of the show, the the let's, lost recording. Let's and it, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is, I will I will say I have no problem going over it again. I, I am I don't know if you guys know I'm a big bird watcher. Yeah. Uh, if I have any propensity towards science, it will it would be in ornithology for sure. I know a lot about birds, so. So I'm totally down to well, do it. Well, you did Excellent. come up with the the genus of this bird. You just as without no googling, just straight pull in the first round through this. I but, did, I did, and I'll do it again. So this story 
yeah, it's it's the combination of all manner of things, and it was sent to us by a Holly Gabrielson of Nevada, Colorado. Home to the Hell House. Home to the Hell House. The Hollywood Hell or the the yeah the National Hell House. Was this? I can't remember whether we were talking about Hell Houses no, in I the version either. of the show. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think this was in in the current version. In of the, the current show. version, okay. I've lost track. If not, I just had a really sweet callback to the last episode. <laughs> to the last episode um, for the listener at home. So just imagine <laughs> and, the, and and be thrilled. This has everything. This has it combines COVID. It combines animal attacks. It combines Australia and specifically Australian animal attacks. It's got everything we need. Magpie swooping season could be worse in Victoria this year. That's the state that includes Melbourne for any Australian geography curios, uh, cur- cur- curious people. Just, just telling you where it is. Yeah. Magpie swooping season could be worse as face masks confuse birds. What I, what I love about that headline besides everything is that it just implies we all know about magpie swooping season. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I also am just imagining, like, the guy coming out of the belfry of a tower, clanging a bell, and like, it's magpie swooping season, and just, like, <laughs> and they just come in. It's, it's chaos immediately. He only gets as far as the S in swooping. <laughs> right. Oh, School I was imagining- children ducking behind <laughs> cars. I was imagining it was like the start of a Disney, uh, like a musical montage when all the t- towns, like the villages are co- running out their front door and like shaking out sheets and things. And there's a, there's just a general spirit of merriment throughout the. Oh, it's a positive thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. good, it's a good. Magpie season okay. is here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, if it isn't. <laughs> just but yeah, the, the, I, I've seen, have you guys seen videos? Like there was one that went viral, probably many that have gone viral of, of like a, a biker who had like a GoPro on who keeps getting attacked by one is like, go away, magpie. <laughs> um, and then I just saw one of the links here is like, uh, I guess a dude last year died on a bike because of a magpie attack. It must wow. be that he was knocked into traffic or off something. Oh no, right? yeah, the magpie didn't. Just like- I mean, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he crashed while he was under attack by swooping magpie. Yeah, the magpie kind of steered him into three other magpies wielding a sword that went right through his chest, <laughs> coming in the opposite direction. It was fucking insane. So you have to yeah. stab him? No, you just have to stand still. I'll bring him to you. Yeah, yeah. Hold, another hold five magpies were just crouching behind him. So he... <laughs> yeah, as they push him over at a party, embarrassing yeah. him. He falls backwards onto the three sword magpies. They've got a whole system worked out. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're thinking of magpie punking season. That's in the spring. We're in magpie uh, swooping yes. season. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Totally different thing. Yeah. They're, they're swooping down with cling film over toilet seats. <laughs> <laughs> so... Just like the red rag to a bull, compulsory masks could spell a particularly nasty Victorian magpie swooping season. One bird life expert is speculating swooping might be worse than usual because magpies will find it harder to recognize people. All Victorians must wear masks as part of the state's lockdown restrictions. So, this is li- just more fuel for mask deniers. I don't, I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> bird life- and another thing. Yeah. You can't breathe in them. They diminish your... It builds up carbon monoxide. Uh, magpies attack you. <laughs> look at my wife's face. Look at it. Just look at it. <laughs> yeah. Now imagine that covered in magpies. <laughs> exactly. I'm listening. Yeah. BirdLife Australia's Sean Dooley said, There is a chance because what we know magpies is magpies can recognize individual people. If you think a magpie has it in for you, you're probably right. Damn. Research has shown that... That sounds like almost like Jeff Foxworthyism or something. If you think magpies can recognize individual people... You might have angered a a magpie. (laughs) You may be BirdLife Australia's Sean Dooley. I'm just picturing Larry the Cable Guy with like egg yolk trickling down his fucking goatee (laughs) as he eats magpie eggs out of a nest. You might have angered a magpie. (laughs) Research has shown that magpies can recognize up to at least a hundred different people. And we think the main factor is facial recognition. They tend to swoop the people they see as a threat. One would suspect. Yeah, that's uh, makes sense. Swooping season reaches its peak in September to October as magpies breed and guard their nests. The birds are renowned for repeatedly targeting individuals they perceive as threats. While some people come under constant aerial attack, Others are never harassed. Yeah, Dooley said, what we're, re- 
Yeah. Like, they Magpies go- know. Magpies know who's good and who's not good. And if you're getting attacked, odds are you did something. Maybe not recently, but in your past, yeah. that you deserved it for. Remember when that guy pulled a thorn out of the magpie's wing? And... <laughs> And then you were just hammering other thorns into other magpies. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's why they're attacking you. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that might be the connection? <laughs> so, Dooley said, "What we're really fascinated with is whether, especially in Melbourne in lockdown, if you're wearing a mask, they may not be able to recognize you." Uh, okay, so here's here, here's what I don't understand. Why is a magpie that isn't able to recognize you more likely to think? Oh, I don't recognize him, so maybe he's one of my enemies. Couldn't it be the other way around? Couldn't, yeah, couldn't yeah. people who are previously prone to magpie attacks now be protected from them because they are unrecognizable? Totally. Yeah. I got magpies in my neighborhood, and I don't just assume they're, they don't—they're not just attacking left and right. Like I think the the, the go-to default reaction of any bird would be less trouble, less conflict, like. They got to know that if they're going to attack a human, odds are pretty high they're going to get hurt in the in the encounter. Right, so there has like, to be some I, cost I would think to they it. would avoid yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I, if it yeah. wasn't, if there was no cost to attacking, they would just attack everything in sight. Because why not? But there must be either the risk of of injury or just expelling the energy of attacking. Like. Yeah, and all Australians carry cricket bats at all times. <laughs> That's true. Well, but it's just like how I've trained myself in my body to be a lethal weapon, and you guys know that about me. That's what I but think. I don't yeah, just go. Think, yeah. I just don't go attacking everything because that's an ability I have. No, I I realize this is a dangerous thing that's only to be used very, very carefully. Right, with great, and with also, great uh, power and cricket bats comes yeah. Yeah, and also under the terms, you know, when when you had to, I can't remember whether is it the state government or the national government that you have to register your hands as weapons with well it was actually through the uh van dam academy which is on a <laughs> boat in the ocean it's the only like right. it's a it's international law well it's on yeah. two, two boats and you do the splits between them right <laughs> <laughs> that's the final test as, as the two boats speed away <laughs> Just... oh. <laughs> yeah and then you have to swim back from sea and it's like the final a lot of men drown on the last part of the test which mm. is definitely the hardest if you make it back to belgium you were hailed as a hero is it belgium <laughs> and then I you think? fight i don't know then it is belgium oh. then you fight dolph lundgren sure uh and snap his arm upward at an impossible angle like the end of universal soldier and then you are officially a deadly weapon there was Wait. a point that we got vaguely close to getting dolph lundgren on this show and then it just never happened but that we yeah were, he's we he's were mr fight. science right yeah he was doing a i don't know if he completed but he was certainly in the middle of doing a PhD. I think when, he was over here for a full with a Fulbright scholarship, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's a smart guy. And I think it was biochemistry. I could be getting that wrong. I think wrong. it was chemical engineering. Let's see. Dolph yeah. Lundgren Wiki. But yeah, I think maybe we were trying to get him. It's sort of like Brian May. It would have been easier before Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think Dolph would have been easier before... I think we were talking about this before he was brought back for... Was it Expendables or something like that that like suddenly brought back a bunch of classic 80s action stars yeah but then like in his case like grace jones basically pluck him out of obscurity and go like you're going to be a famous person now yeah well dolph lundgren does some td ameritrade ads right now where they talk about his phd Ah. he had a fulbright scholarship to mit and moved to boston for that um what that's so crazy Yeah, yeah he's a really smart guy he and... holds the rank of fourth Dan black belt in Kyokushin karate. What is Dan? Dan Dan's one of the is a rank, isn't it? Same in you you know, you once you've got your basic black belt, then it goes through the, the Dan levels. The that's Dan what, that, Dan. No, that, that is what it is. It sounds like a joke, but that's what I'd never heard that word in that context before. You had you had, obviously. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh. That's what the movie Dan in real life is about. <laughs> It's and, Steve Carell going through the stages of advanced, advanced uh, martial arts. So this is so Dan is but, what but my always in real life applications. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's never fantasy situations. It's always like you know, just karate chopping milk open. Perhaps magpies <laughs> in Australia attacking his face, and he has to respond. Yeah. Uh, by the way, a link to from this article. So the magpies in Australia are not the same at all as magpies in Europe. 
Yeah, I would hope not. But they are a very different... So according to this linked article, DNA sequencing technology has revolutionized biology. Our understanding of the evolutionary tree of bird life, that is how species and groups of birds are related to each other, and how their evolution has unfolded on the planet's changing continents is no exception. We now have a much better understanding than we did just 30 years ago of where all the species of the world's birds perch, so to speak, on that tree. Oh, how very right, the nice. Guardian. Nice. <laughs> we now- well, I'm looking at this. The magpie, the Australian magpie, is not even in the corvid family. Right. Oh. Which corvid is what magpie, crow, blue jays, That's they're all corvid. But the family that the Australian magpie is in is Artemidae, which is stunning to me. So it's not even the same magpie mm. as here at all. Yeah. It's that they just no, look what? similar. And then, oh yeah, then there's other things. The, the black butcher bird. What? Oh, I think I saw that one on, um, on planet Earth. That's the one that makes these beautiful nests, I believe. You, you do that's... know your birds. Well, don't quote me. That might be the one that also like stores its birds, like its, its stuff that it's killed on these weird branches. Like it saves it. Ooh. Wait, what was the first thing you were saying about it? Is it, were you thinking of those birds that have like those cool houses they show off on the forest floor to potential mates or not? Exactly, exactly. I love those things, whatever those are. Um, Black butcher bird. Yeah, and it also says here that the magpie, the Australian magpie, was the 2017 bird of the year. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Or I guess belated congratulations. I don't know what I was doing in 2017 that I couldn't write a card or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was their I year, I think. They were the Susan well, Lucci yeah. of, of bird of the year for a while, so I think it's That's good quite finally. The- but still, that's quite the snub from you, Adam. You're going to get a swooping. Don't, <laughs> don't do shows in Australia. I've always wanted to do shows in Australia. I've never been able to go over there. You guys were saying you've been over there to do shows. I have not, and now there's no way I'm setting foot. No, on that you're going to get. Oh, yeah. Well, you better. You could do it outside of swooping season, probably. Yeah. Well, unless I wear a mask, and if that science checks out, in fact, I could. And your theory is true, Matt. I'll wear a mask, and it won't. It won't hit me. Yeah, I'll just be. I will not be perceived as a threat. Yeah, and I forgot. As long if, as, yeah, you've got. It, your mask solution might have been from our first take, but a pretty good one. Find the guy that magpies like the most and just print masks of that that person's face, and then. Exactly, a dude named Chip or Dale, perhaps, <laughs> who just is beloved by the magpies, and you copy the lower half of his face and give them out. And I and I honestly think the state should pay for that. I'm kind of a socialist when it comes to healthcare. But I think the state should manufacture and pay for all of the chip masks for the community. It Did pays you intentionally for pick the two names of rescue rangers? I thought they both sounded good. And then I was like, oh, shit. If I speak fast enough after this, <laughs> Andy and Matt will just forget it and let that let that lay. But I should have known better. You're two classically trained comedians. No, no, no. no, no. I mean, but like, there's, it's, it's very possible there's some reason why magpies would be the natural friends of, of crime fighting or rescuing uh, rodent duos. I'm not sure. sure. It's, it's, a, why, but... it's a forest community, and they have to band together. Yeah. Also, Chip okay. and Dale my fa- were my favorite Disney characters as a kid. Yeah, they're great. They were the, the highlight of the Disney afternoon. Yeah. Stuff toys of. You... Yeah, I, I was a big fan of uh, of Tailspin. Believe it or not, I really liked the Tailspin. That was a fun one. That was a spinoff of Jungle Book, kind of. It was. Yeah, it was. But I feel like Launchpad McQuack bled his way into Tailspin as well. Like he he kind of piloted on into the jungle. <laughs> well, he was so Baloo was just like the co-pilot. What, what did Baloo do? I forgot. Yeah. Launchpad I, I, was Baloo the... was the co-pilot. Mm. And they would run like crazy missions, like old 1930s fighter pilot missions. Oh, I forgot it took place in the. Yeah, it was like historical uh, Disney. It's a lot there. Yeah, I want to get a blue as my co-pilot bumper sticker now. <laughs> Probably science merch. Well, yeah, you gotta I, make this stuff. Yeah, they went they went pretty heavy back in the day. They went um, pretty heavy in terms of, you know, like I mean, like history, war. I mean, oh, in terms of cartoon Disney fodder content. Yeah, I mean, you know, you really learn some stuff. 
Oh yeah, it was, yeah, definitely. It was assigned every every day as homework. Um, but okay, I we we've got to wrap up in a second. But listener Meg H sent in. Did you know there's two different measurements for what a foot is? And I'm no. twelve inches, or yeah, this is a New York Times article. For decades, U.S. meteorologists have juggled two conflicting measurements for the foot. Henceforth, only one shall rule. Oh wait, me- mo- med- metrologists. Oh, sorry, metrologists. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I was like, I, was like, why would I, I thought the article there? was going to sort of go like, why is this weather related? That. <laughs> That is that is substantially more sensible uh, and likely. So, one foot is a tiny bit shorter than the other. That's that's mm. baffling. In the U.S., so wait. I, I know every so often they change the you know the the basis for what an, what the SI units are measured off of, but that you know it has to be pretty standardized or it has to be extremely standardized. In the U.S., a foot. The size of foot depends on which of the two official foot measurements you're talking about. If, and one of those is about to go away. The first foot is the old U.S. survey foot from 1893. The second is the newer, slightly shorter, and more exact international foot from 1959, used by nearly everybody except surveyors in some states. These two f- feet differ by about one hundredth of a foot, which is 0.127 inches per mile. That's two feet for every millionth feet. An amount so small, it only adds up for people who measure over long distances, such as surveyors. For more than six decades, they've been toggling between the two units, depending on what they are measuring and where. The toggling does not always work. Michael L. Dennis, an Arizona-based surveyor and geodesist with the National Geodetic Survey, has been cataloging mix-ups with the two feet for years and repairing errors. Last year, he goddamn had enough. <laughs> what a waiting for Godot-like existence. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, bleak. Just sorting out foot differences. Just waiting to uncover the errors and then sorting them out. He says, I kept running into these problems with different versions of the foot, and I thought it was ridiculous that this thing had gone on for this long. So I had... To, he slams his desk. <laughs> he did. No so more. So he goes... So I had the secret desire to kill off the U.S. survey foot, and I'd been harboring that for years. <laughs> He's on the list. <laughs> His secret desire. Most states mandate the use of the old U.S. survey foot for their state coordinate systems, which allows surveyors to take into account Earth's curvature in their measurements. A few states mandate the use of the new international foot. A handful do not specify which should be used, such as Arizona. Um, oh, sorry. No, Arizona, for instance, is an international foot state. But when employees with the Federal Aviation Administration or the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers or the Park Service measure there, they use the U.S. survey foot. This is a recipe for disaster, disaster. says Dr. Dennis. And Two I'm getting this all the time. He's so exasperated. <laughs> there's a photo of him. Hang on, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But there's a photo of him standing in a national park looking pensive. Oh, I bet. <laughs> His fucking feet. Wait, I want to see this dude. Yeah. He's that younger a... than I thought. He's got a slightly graying goatee. Yeah. He's got a yeah. very Reed Hastings uh, CEO of Netflix vibe to him. Ooh, maybe you can get me a special. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm disappointed that the difference in feet is so minute. Because I was hoping that with this information that you just gave me, I could launch a new basketball league where I could dunk. I could use right. a smaller... <laughs> of the feet measurements and just play in, in my NBA. But I don't think that's going to happen. It's just measured in mice feet. <laughs> it's mice feet. The rims are eight feet tall, eight whatever plus. foot. Yeah, yeah eight, eight yeah. normal feet tall, and I'm just dunking everywhere. The court like, is 90% rim. <laughs> like the two rims actually overlap like a Venn diagram. <laughs> There's one point where you can screw up and accidentally score in both baskets both simultaneously. Baskets yeah, and but you wind up like in another dimension. That actually transfers you to the NBA bubble, and you're in a real game if that happens. I buy tickets. Um, I bought season tickets to the first uh, season of the XFL 20 years ago. I'll buy tickets to this whenever this starts. <laughs> we'll put links to the rest of the story in the show notes, as we always do at probablyscience.com. Uh, but uh, we should wrap this up, Adam. 
where can our listeners find out more about you and everything you're doing? Uh, just follow me on, on uh, the social media at Kayton Holland, C-A-Y-T-O-N Holland. Uh, that should give you a good indicator of what I'm doing. That's great. Excellent. And then obviously get your new album. You can, I'm sure you can get it in all the places. And also same goes for the Grolic Saves the World podcast. Yeah, if you're a fan of podcasts and comics, uh, I think we are one of those. <laughs> so, so hop on board. It's Excellent. got a good Check hook. I like that catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's that's our catchphrase. We guarantee there's a podcast here and comedians. <laughs> uh, you can find us as always at probablyscience.com on Twitter at probablyscience individually at Andy T Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. And also, you can find the links to our patreon and paypal if you want to donate and help keep the show going as well we really appreciate that at probablyscience.com adam thank you so much for joining us and thank you for bearing with the technical screw up at the beginning sorry guys oh, not at all <laughs> thanks for having me that was uh, fun yeah we really appreciate it and listeners we appreciate you we'll see you next yes. time see you.